right, the anointing. We're talking about kingdom principles today in the church. This is a series that I wanted to do after our powerful retreat, that you would be grounded in what God is saying and doing so that you just don't become so spiritually minded you're of no earthly good. We believe we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. So today's principle, the thing that you can build your life upon, is the anointing. Somebody say the anointing. Amen. Look at Matthew 6.33 up here just to review why we have to have kingdom principles. Jesus talking, he said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What are all these things? Houses, land, cars, jobs, things that we need in life, food, uh, provision for our family. God said that in his kingdom, the way it works is you seek him first. Everybody say first. Now, how does somebody do that? How does somebody put God first over their family? Does that mean you starve your child and you go into a room and pray? No, you're not going to do that. By putting God first, you're saying, God, everything you taught about how to raise a family is how I'm going to do it. So the principles and the ideas of a family comes first before Oprah Winfrey and everything else you see around you. Now, I might get quiet when I preach like that, but I came to tell it as a T.I. is, baby, as it is. Amen. So we're not talking today about Dr. Feelgood, how to just make you feel good today in your own life and just to bless you and let you go home today. We want to change your life. The Bible should rearrange you and change you. As a matter of fact, it says in 2 Timothy 3.16 and onward that it should do four things. It should rebuke you. The Word of God should rebuke you. It should tell you to stop doing certain things. Stop lying. Stop fornicating. Stop living in adultery. Stop stealing. Stop being bitter. Stop holding unforgiveness in your heart. Stop cursing. Those are things the Bible rebukes you on. It says stop. Stop putting things before God. Somebody say rebuke. Amen. Then the next thing is correction. Correction now means to correct your path. So think of it like this. You're going the wrong direction. You're trying to go downtown, but you're heading west. Let's say somebody comes in front of you and says, stop. Here's the rebuke. You're going the wrong way. You need to be going that way. Now the correction says, this is how you get going east to a U-turn. Take these streets and go that way. Correction says, this is how you should be living. So it's not that I just don't smoke, drink, and cuss, and chew, and hang with those who do, I have now changed my way of living. So instead of adultery, I seek marriage. I'm corrected. Instead of talking curse words, I speak positive. Instead of being bitter, I become loving. Instead of holding back unforgiveness, I give forgiveness. Are you listening to me? Then the Bible says after it's rebuked and corrected you, now it needs to exhort you. Somebody say exhort. The word exhort literally means to build up. So go take that example. You're going the wrong way. You get rebuked. You're turned back around. Now you're going this way. You're on the right path. Now exhortation says keep going. Keep going. Go down this road. Don't get discouraged. Exhortation will tell you, you know, there may be a few traffic lights up here. There may be some turns. You have to make around some potholes. In the Bible, what it will do is it will begin to tell you that, yes, this is the path you're walking on, but these are the troubles you can expect on this path. But get ready for the trouble and then make it through the trouble. See, people want to talk about being in the valley. I'm in a valley, brother. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley. Come on, you ain't living in a valley. you going through the valley. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching to you now, sister or brother. He's preaching to you now. You're going to go through a valley. And then the last thing the Bible says is it will encourage you. Somebody say encourage. 
That means while you're driving, the Holy Ghost will get behind and give you a little neck rub or like my wife, just kind of scratch the back of my head and go, you're doing good, baby. Keep driving. The Holy Ghost wants you to stay encouraged. The Bible says there's joy in his presence and pleasures forevermore. I'm not just saved. I'm saved. I'm not just coming to church. I came to church, baby. You understand what I'm talking I don't got religion. I've got a relationship with Jesus. There's something different about my life. You should be able to tell it by getting around me. Amen? If you can't, there's something wrong. My light's got to shine. So the Bible says he's going to rebuke, correct, exhort, and encourage you. That's extra. Put that down, 2 Timothy 3.16 to chapter 4, verses 3. This is what he's talking about. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What is the kingdom of God? It is the active rule of Jesus Christ in your life. That means today Jesus has got to be boss. That means he's got to be Lord. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. If you're kind of debating, you know, well, I don't know. You know, I got a lot to plan today for Super Bowl, and I don't know. I might need to stay home. He's not Lord of all, baby. Let me just make it plain for you right now. If you're still debating on whether or not to serve him or serve your boyfriend that you've been shacking up with for 10 years, he's not Lord of all yet. You can say amen or oh my, but it's coming at you either way, baby. Amen. (laughs) Whoa, come on. I came to preach. I got to teach today, but I'm still preaching on this. Somebody say basilelia. Basilelia is the Greek word for kingdom. It means the act of rule and reign of Jesus. So I'm talking to people here today who want Jesus to plant a flag on your heart, sound the trumpet, and say, I'm the king of this life. Sometimes we look at our hearts as like a four-bedroom condo. We, we, we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you're a conquering king. You're so nice. You got a nice little stallion. Giddy up. And we just want little Jesus to kind of like giddy up into certain rooms of our lives. And so we got this four bedroom condo and we say, Jesus, this is the room of my trouble. You know, Jesus, you can come on into all my troubles, you know, and then he kind of moseys on in, you know. Oh, and then Jesus, here's my children. They're going crazy. I need your help in this area, too. We open up the door, hold out a carrot, and here comes Jesus on a horse. Let me tell you, that's how Jesus is. Jesus is a conquering king. He wants to kick down every door of your house, kick down every bedroom. He wants to flip upside everything that you got going on. Jesus doesn't just want to renovate. He wants to recreate your life. That's what it means to have Jesus as king of your life. It's not just a renovation. It's a new creation. It's saying, God, you have it all. Have my dreams. Have my futures. Have my checkbook. Have my friends. Have my family and my trouble and my kids. You have it all. It's all yours. You're the king, and I'm in the kingdom. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in a kingdom, and you ain't the king. Amen. Let me just get it straight with you right now. You're in a kingdom and you're not the king. His name is Jesus. And then when we hear this, look at this, but seek first his kingdom. Okay, so I'm supposed to be seeking first Jesus ruling and reigning in in my heart and transforming my life. But then it adds to that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. 
Thank you. So righteousness simply means the right way of doing things. So I'm not only just supposed to seek God like some hermit up in a monastery somewhere with a funny haircut, wearing some friar tuck robe, you know. I'm supposed to actually do right things in my life everywhere I go. You have to leave church eventually. You have to go back to your job. You have to hang out with people that aren't so cute and cuddly as your neighbor is right now. So how are you going to act right when everybody's acting crazy like they lost their mind? I don't know about you, but I've been in some long lines with people acting crazy in the line where the teller acts crazy, calling up cell phone companies. I think if you work at a cell phone company, you're already crazy because you don't make no sense to me. I still don't get why I'm paying $300 for myself when I took in every plan you gave me. See, you go into a world where there's trouble. There's wrong. There's hurt. There's pain. People aren't going to be fair to you. People aren't going to say, well, you're a Christian. Well, we're just going to give you a discount. We're just going to let you roll on it. We're just going to give you a promotion. What do you do in a world that's wrong? You got to act right. Somebody say righteousness. So that's reviewing. So last week we talked about one of the first principles you need to know is knowledge, understanding, and what? Wisdom. We talked about you have to know what God is telling you. You have to understand it, and you have to have the wisdom to live it out. And it was so funny because right after we got out the service, I was talking to somebody, and we were talking about their life and different things, and the mother was there, and, and she was saying, you know, uh, you know, daughter, you've got to do this thing. And the daughter said, I know, I know. And then the next thing out of our mouth said, but do you understand? You see, a lot of people know there is sin in this world. A lot of people know they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. But do they understand the consequences? See, you can make your choices, but not your consequences. I can choose right now to build a snowman in the middle of the road, but I can't choose the consequence of whether or not somebody's going to put on the brakes. You can choose to act crazy all you want, but you can't have the consequence of going to hell. God will say, get out of my house. You're going I'll go to heaven. He'll say, get out of my house. Go to hell. You can make your choices, but not your consequences. So do you know what God is saying? Do you understand the consequences of what God has said? And then do you pray for wisdom? Everybody say wisdom. Say it like you're an old southern preacher. Say wisdom. Wisdom. Come on, baby. You got to say wisdom. You got to get some like two consonants, whatever. What do you call that? Two sounds in a word? Syllables. There we go. Wisdom. Put a little whistle. Wisdom is saying, God, I know, I understand, but I need the practical application of my knowledge and understanding. So I know who I should marry. It should be a woman of God. It should be a man of God. I understand if I marry a bum, I'm going to be busted and disgusted. I understand if I marry a loose girl, she's going to cheat on me. Okay, I, I, I know, I understand, but I need the wisdom to find the right one. Do you get what I'm saying? The wisdom walks you through there. You say, I know i got to go to church. I understand if I don't go to church, I'm backslidden. But God, give me the wisdom to find the right church. God, I know i got to work or I can't eat. I understand I, I'll, I'll lose a whole lot of weight and go starving. But give me wisdom to find the right job. That was the principle last week. If you're ready for the principle this week, say, bring it. Today I want to talk to you about the anointing. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 28, verse 40. Exodus chapter 28, verse 40. I want to talk to you today about the principle, the foundation, the righteousness in the kingdom of living by the anointing. The first time you see the word anointing used in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus chapter 28. This is the time that Moses is making priests to follow in the Jewish religion. This is where you get the idea of the Ten Commandments, the Ark of the Covenant, a tabernacle as you have known it as a temple. 
Well, here he's going to make priests. And what are priests simply, what is their job? Their job is to be a mediator between man and God. But when Jesus Christ came, he says, you don't need priests anymore. I'm your only mediator between man and God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. You don't have to call me Father Bob, and we're not confessing. Amen. You just come right to Jesus. I don't want to talk to his brother or his mother. I just want to talk to Jesus. Amen. You can talk to the patron saint of lost keys if you want, but I want to talk to Jesus. I've been locked up too long in the cold. I've got to put some fire in this place. Look at your neighbor and say, boom, shakalaka, boom. (laughs) <laughs> bringing the boom of God up in this place. Exodus 20, somebody's just like, I'm excited. What are you excited about? I don't know, but he's excited. I'm excited. I hope you're learning something today in our excitement. Exodus 28. Here it is talking to the priest. God is talking to Moses. He says, Moses, make tunics, sashes, and caps for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honor. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, anoint and ordain them. Everybody say anoint. Anoint and ordain them. Consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Serve me as priests. Everybody say, Meshach. Just be nice to me. I don't speak Hebrew or Greek. I'm having trouble with English as it is. Amen. So I'm just teaching you as I got it off the Internet today from my class. Okay. Everybody say Meshach. Now Meshach means to anoint, and that simply just means to cover. So God says to Moses, I want you to cover these priests with special garments and then with a special oil. Everybody say to cover That's what the word Meshach means in the Hebrew. Why were these guys being covered the way they were? Why couldn't they just wear ordinary clothes? Why did they need oil to be put upon their head? The idea that they are being shown here is that the dignity and honor is not because of the clothes or because of the position. It's because of the Holy Spirit that will be upon them and use them to minister in the temple and to the people. So what he is saying is you are set apart. Now, if you've never looked at oil being poured out, it's quite an interesting thing. And I was actually debating about doing it here in the church. But then I was thinking I have to put a garbage bag out like 20 feet long here. But how they anointed in that day, that, that bowl, that brazen laver is full of oil. And that horn, that shofar, is, is, is being dipped in all that oil. We're talking quarts, gallons. And then they would pour it on these men. And now when you see oil and you think about it, you get it on your fingers, it doesn't come off easily, does it? And then everybody, if you had some oil and I put it on you, you could rub it onto somebody else and then rub it onto somebody else. And it would leave a mark if you put it on your door. It would stain your door. Some of you have been like me, all spiritual, anointing your house, and then now you've got a stain on your doorpost. Come on, how many of you like me? Got a little stain right there. Man, okay, just, well, thank you, Jesus. Blessed. Well, let's leave it alone now. And, and, and we, we don't understand, but I want to take you back to this time. See, these priests are dressed in sashes. He has a cap. He, he has on these, these jewels, these emblems that represent this 12 tribes of Israel and that, that golden plate right there. And this oil is symbolizing in a tangible way the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, is going to be all over these guys. Honor them. That's what he was saying to the people. Hey, honor the priest. 
honor, give them dignity, respect them. Why? Because as oil saturated all over them and whatever they touch got oil, it's the Holy Spirit is going to be all over them. And whatever they touch, the Holy Spirit's going to bless. This is the principle of the Bible. I'm telling you, the priests had power in the Old Testament. The priests could heal. The priests could bring deliverance. Uh, Moses, he acted as a priest as well. He did so many things, healed people, parted the Red Sea, split the rock, and water came out. of Somebody say, there's power in the anointing. Let's keep going. Now go to Psalms 2. Psalms 2 verse 1. We now see a concept. This is David's writings, who was a king in the Bible. So David begins to write about the anointing, but he begins to predict through prophecy that there is not just going to be an anointing upon priests, but there is going to come a time when there will be an anointed one. Somebody say an anointed one. Now this is the most magnificent thing you can think of because not only are we going to have an anointing, we're going to have an anointed one. What would you rather have, just a few dollars, or would you want to have the whole bank press or the, the money-making press of uh, Fort Knox? Come on. See, if I just have an anointing, the anointing could run out. But if I have the anointed one, it never runs out. Hallelujah. It's like the difference between having a cup of water and the ocean. What would you rather have? You know, you got to look at it as this is a revolution of thinking. But this is it. This is the first time it's in the Old Testament. So we know now it's Christ. But they're living in a time of priests who have anointings. Now there's a time where an anointed one is coming. Somebody say prophecy. Now listen to what my man David said. Psalms 2 verse 1. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his what? Anointed one. Saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger, terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king. Somebody say, my king. That's my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Verse 7, I will proclaim the Lord's decree, he said to me. So now watch what you have going on here. God the Father is talking. He says people on earth are acting crazy. They're breaking all of the commandments. They think they can mock God and still get to heaven. And God says, I just laugh at them. I laugh at Hitler. He's saying, I laugh at Pharaoh. I laugh at Babylon. They can't stop me. I created this planet. It would be like an ant looking through the little glass of the ant house going, I'm going to take you over and take over your whole house. You would look at that little lamp and laugh like her and take that little ant in your hand and go, whisk, then flick, then stomp, and then blow out the door. Then a bus would come over and run over it. Okay? Then a garbage sweeper would take it up, put it in the garbage dump, bury it on the ground. That ant would never be seen again. That's what God's saying right here. I laugh because people think they're going to take over my plan. He said, this is my plan. He said, I have a king. He's the anointed king, and I've sent him on my holy hill. Now, listen, Jesus comes up in this passage and now starts speaking back to the Father. He says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Now the father is speaking again. You will break them with the rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, ye kings, be wise. Be warned, ye rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Can you say amen? 
Verse 12, kiss his son or he will be angry. And this is David now talking. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead you to destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Somebody say the anointed one. Here you see the father say, I'm going to set up my anointed one. He's going to come and be king of this earth. Then you have the son saying back to the father, Father, I'm going to do just what you said, and I'm going to ask you for the nations, and all my disciples are going to ask you for the nations. And then Jesus, uh, the father said back to Jesus, You better serve my son, because if you don't serve him, I'm going to break you into pieces like pottery. So kiss him, get down, kiss the ring, and say, I love you, Jesus, because you're going to be in some trouble if you don't. Amen? Pastor, you're scaring the hell out of me. I hope I am today. Amen. He ain't coming down as a baby in a manger. Oh, Dito, come to heaven with me. No, he's coming down as a conquering king. The Bible says he'll slaughter a billion in that day on judgment Armageddon, and it will be the blood as high as a horse's head. So it's not like Jesus, Hercules, I'm still waiting for him to come. You better have a little fear in your heart, because one day he will judge the earth. The Bible says, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. It's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Whoa, I'm a little scared. Hallelujah. He's a conquering king. He ain't Dito Jesus no more. Amen. He's not coming down singing, I love you, you love me, we're a happy family. He's coming down inflicting punishment on those who have rejected him. Somebody say he's the anointed one. Now I want you to look at some more of these scriptures today so that you can place them in your Bible as reference. Other prophecies dealing specifically with the anointed one. Psalms 45, 7 says that I will anoint you above your brothers. Isaiah 61, which you'll see referenced later. He said the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do all these wonderful things anointed for ministry. Daniel 9, 25. Daniel sees a vision of the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days. And this Son of Man is anointed to rule and bring a new covenant. Somebody say new covenant. That's why we're not sacrificing animals anymore. That's why there's not priests anymore. Because Jesus came and brought a new covenant. Because it was prophesied in the old covenant. The son would come and be the anointed one. And start things again in a better way. In a new way. Somebody say thank you Jesus. Praise God. Now look at the definition of anointed when it refers to a person. It's Mashiach. Everybody say Mashiach. Mashiach means the anointed one. Messiah is translated into English, Messiah, but in its literal Hebrew form, Mashiach. Then you got Meshach means to cover, just simply means anointing. The anointed one is Mashiach. Are you all getting this today? Keep following me. This is just the introduction. I don't say that to be fancy, but I'm telling you, I got to get through this so I can preach to you some things you got to do today. Amen. Just follow me. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, it's tight, but it's right. Amen. Look at Luke chapter four, verse 16. Here comes Jesus in the New Testament. Now, did Jesus just come out the middle of nowhere? No. Jesus had existed forever in eternity with the Father. And when he manifested in the flesh, it wasn't just a random way. It was at a certain time to a certain person in a certain nation. And he did certain things. All of this was fulfilling 30-plus major prophecies in the Old Testament. I've only shown you four. Let me, just, let me just fry your noodle right here. If you were to try to fulfill just half of the 30 prophecies that Jesus did... The chances of you being able to do that would be me filling up quarters, the whole state of Texas, the largest state in America, with quarters, put one the color of red, throw it in the state, twist it all around, hide it somewhere, blindfold you, and say you got one chance to pick it. 
Jesus was not here by chance. Jesus was not making it up as he went along. He was fulfilling 30 detailed prophecies. Some of them you have already just read right now. That he would come to Jerusalem. He would be a son, reign on Mount Zion. He would come from Bethlehem. He would be the son of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7. All of these prophecies. Now he shows up. Luke chapter 4. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Now imagine this. He comes to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read. So he comes to church like what would be our church today. We would call on somebody, read a scripture. So imagine if I said, Juan Chavez, would you read this scripture? And then Juan stands up and begins to read. That's what Jesus does. Are you all following me? He comes to church as was his custom. Somebody say, Jesus even went to church. Oh, hello. That's for somebody that wasn't here today. Amen. That's okay. Even you think you're better than Jesus? Oh, I don't want to be brown shoes then. Hey, 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 if you think you're better than Jesus, you got a problem. Amen. Jesus went to church. The man who created the universe said, I'll honor what my father put in place. Praise God. I get excited about church. Amen. He took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, could you imagine this? The man reads the Bible and says, That's talking about me. That, that's me. The Bible says, then he sat down in front of him and just goes, ta-da, I'm here. Here I am. I'm the anointed one. Welcome to my world. You're living in it, baby. Jesus was, was a bad man. He didn't come to make friends and be a people pleaser. He came to bring the kingdom of God. And it was, uh, he was his way or no way. You either got on the gospel train or you got ran over. Amen. So he just came to church, read the Bible, and he takes it to Isaiah. Read in your Bible. Turn there quickly right now. Isaiah 61, because it doesn't tell you the chapter. Just reference it. Go to Isaiah 61, and you can read the full passage. I just want you to see it, to know that the writer here, Luke, is not making it up. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives. Do you see what Jesus is reading? Some almost 500 years before his time, he picks up a scroll in church and says, I am that one. C.S. Lewis says you can't just call Jesus a good man. It's a trilemma, not a dilemma, a trilemma. There's only three options with the person Jesus Christ. He was either a lunatic out of his mind and he didn't know he was crazy and he's equivalent to the guy who urinates on himself in the train saying that he's uh, from outer space. A lunatic doesn't know they're crazy, they're just crazy and you feel sorry for them. So a lunatic could pick up that scripture and say, I'm the anointed one. Oh, give me another beer, okay? They're a lunatic. They don't know they're crazy. Or number two, he could be a liar. He could know that he wasn't the anointed one and that it was his desire to trick people. So he came up in the church and he said, hey, guys, I'm the anointed one, and I have a plan. We're going to drink some Kool-Aid, and we're all going to live on a commune. Okay, he could be some cult leader as a liar, as a, as a, of a deviant nature. Lunatic, liar, or what's the last thing he is, in which I believe he's Lord. That means he is who he said he is. He ain't crazy, and he's not lying. So people who just say, oh, Jesus was a good man. No, he wasn't just a good man. He was either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. Bow your knee before your king and serve him with fear and trembling. 
You don't get the option to put Jesus on the buffet of religion and say, well, I'll take a little Jesus, take a little Buddha. Oh, I like that little thing Muhammad said. Take that right here. I like the little Krishna bracelet these, these uh, people on TV wear. I'm going to wear a little bit of that. Oh, of course, my astrology. Can't forget that. You know what I'm saying? Pisces. There we go. Hey, let me tell you something, man. What you just did right there is you went to the pig trough like that. Jesus was over here at Fogo de Chao. Amen. Jesus ain't down there with the pigs. He ain't down there with demon-possessed crazy lunatics that blow themselves up in buildings. That's what Islam leads to. He is the Son of God, the Lamb before the foundation of the world, who came at the right time with the anointing and said, This is what I came to do. Set people free. He is the anointed one. Now, when we look at that word, he said, I have been anointed to proclaim. The Greek word is Cairo. Everybody say Cairo. And that simply means to cover. So Meshach means to cover in Hebrew. In the Greek-speaking world at this time, they were speaking Greek. He said, Cairo, I have been Cairo, I have been covered in the anointing. But not only that, keep going here to John chapter 4, verse 24. John chapter 4 tells the woman at the well story about how Jesus reads her mail, prophesies to her, and then she, dis- she wants to get saved, be a part of Jesus' kingdom. And as she's cluing into who Jesus is, she asks this question right here. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah, Mashiach, called the Christ, which is Christos. Everybody say Christos. So here you have Hebrew and Greek people putting it in the Bible because they knew there was two languages of that time. I know the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Christos is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. So here this woman was hanging out with Jesus. Jesus was breaking some knowledge on her, teaching her the way to live. And she said, man, you're awesome. But I know when the Christ comes, the anointed one, he's really going to bring it. Verse 26, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he somebody say he's jesus christ say it again say he's jesus christ jesus christ is not a swear word the devil has put it on people's lips why don't we cuss and say oh hitler why don't we cuss and say oh buddha that fat dude that didn't do nothing for nobody but the devil hates that name so much you ever think about that when people blaspheme they blaspheme his name because the bible says there's power in that name and if the devil can blaspheme it people won't understand it but if you were here today and you had a spirit inside of you from the devil if i just said his name jesus that spirit would have to come out be careful with his name friends don't take it in vain are you listening and christ christ is not his last name, like how I'm Joe Wyrostek. It's not like Jesus Brown, Jesus Christ. No, Jesus is his name. He had his father's last name, which we don't know, but the Christ is his title. It's like Joe the pastor, Joe the studly, cuddly, good guy that preaches on Sunday. It's Jesus. That's my wife says. How preacher man. It is Jesus, the anointed one. He is Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus Christ, Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, the Messiah, who had been prophesied all the way back to the time that I told you about with Adam and Eve some 4,000 years before his birth, prophesied through Isaiah, prophesied through Daniel, prophesied, foretold through David that not only would somebody come like a priest with an anointing to do something, but there would be one that would be called the Son of God, and he would rule upon this earth and set things in order, and he would have a ministry where that ministry sets captives free. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. 
help the preacher preach today. Now I want you to look at the application, 2 Corinthians one twenty-one. Can you say, help him, Lord? Almost through the introduction, come on. Almost through the introduction, just about ready to turn it on and preach. 2 Corinthians one twenty-one. that anointing that was once upon priests, that then came upon the anointed one, is now been given to us because of the anointed one. Are you tracking with me? Oh, you're about ready to get it. You're going to get excited today. 2 Corinthians one twenty-one. Now it is God who makes both of us stand firm in Christ. See, stand firm in the anointed one. He has what? Anointed us. What has he done? You should be getting excited right now. Come on, somebody get excited. Who has he anointed? He has anointed me. He's anointed you. If you're not in Christ, you're not anointed. If you're not in the anointed one, you don't get the anointing. But everybody, every young and old, everybody who is in Christ, the anointed one, gets his anointing. So one preacher likes to say it like this, Christ means the anointed one and the anointing. So it's coming from him through him. It's coming on him and through him to you and I. Look at what it says again. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and has put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He taught us in also the Lord's Prayer. He said, your kingdom come. He said, disciples, pray like this. Your kingdom come, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, how is this kingdom going to be established? Through the anointing. Through a, and I want you to write this down as a definition. Through the unction to function. Come on. It's the unction to function on the gospel junction. Praise the Lord. Just track with me, guys. Come on. It's the unction to function. You've got to have the anointing from the anointed one on your life today to fulfill the purpose of the king in the kingdom to do the thing right, be righteous, and have all things added unto you. Today there's an anointing upon your life. If you've accepted Christ, he says there is an anointing upon you that was upon Christ. Now I want you to see this in the scripture, that there's not even two types of anointing. There's only one type of an anointing. Now here's where I came to preach. Can you say amen? Here's what I want to preach to you today, that there's one anointing and it comes from Christ. So there aren't big eyes and little U's. God gave it to Christ, and now Christ gives it to us. And now I want you to know the principles of the anointing so that you can have this unction to function in all that you do. First, let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The anointing comes to us from the Holy Spirit. We watched that, right? We read that just in the passage. just want to show you as you're turning there. He anointed us, set his seal on ownership, and put his what? Come on, somebody say Spirit. You can do three things at one time. Come on. He put his what? Spirit in our hearts. So we got to understand where the anointing comes from. It comes from the Spirit. And particularly, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. As you're going there, somebody say, unction to function. 
Here it is, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, talking about now the first part of the principle of the anointing. Number one, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, but you will receive power. When we read it, I want you to say the word power like you got some power. Amen. But you will receive power. Thank you. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So where does power come from? The Spirit. The Spirit says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now go to Acts chapter 2. And let's see how they knew they had the power. Somebody say, I got the power. Y'all saying it just a little bit slow. I got, I got to have you shout it out. Somebody going to shout it out and look crazy, but I don't care. I'm crazy with you. One, two, three. I've got the power. Thank you. Now go to Acts chapter uh, 2 and look at what comes right here. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the what? The Holy Spirit and began to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So if you want the anointing today, what you got to get? The Spirit of God. Do you got to get holy water from my website, 1099 plus shipping and handling? If you want the anointing, do you want to buy the rag right here? If I wipe my nose on it, put it on your pillow. Lord, heal me, Jesus. Oh, it smells so weird, but I, I don't know. It works or something. That must be the anointing on it. No, I've been wiping my nose with it. That's what I've been doing. Praise God. Somebody say, no phony baloney. Here's how it works. The anointing comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it is evidenced through the speaking in other tongues. I have preached a whole message on it, wrote about it twice in two different books. I'm not going to defend it today. Just take this preacher's word and study it with your small group leader to get more understanding. But those who can understand already, take this as revelation for you. To get the anointing, you get the Spirit. You don't chase man. You don't chase towels. You don't chase some phony religious relic and superstition. You get baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. And how do you know you got it? Because you got to shout it out in other tongues. Amen. You know that you know that you know you've been set on fire. Ain't nobody going to talk you out of that. Amen. Nobody going to tell you you didn't get it. I'll open up a light socket right now and have you all touch it, and you'll scream out some weird things right now. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is more powerful than every electricity going through your body if you touch that thing right now. And the purpose of tongues, if you're wondering what we're doing, we're not just some Middle Eastern people going, we are actually, the Bible says, declaring the wisdom and and glory of God in other languages. Sometimes they're known on this earth and other times they're languages of heaven. I have had my tongues understood by Indian people by two different occasions. And they said, what you're saying means this, this, and this. I'm telling you, God has given us revelation through the speaking of tongues. There is the anointing. Now, number two, the primary purpose for the anointing is for ministry. Go to John chapter 14, verse 12. Now, I know some people when they show up at work, oh, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Yes, you are. But your first anointing is to serve God. Amen. I know I'm anointed to to shovel this driveway today. Okay, yes, you do have an unction to function, but its first purpose is not for your driveway. Your first purpose is for ministry. 
Some people say, oh, oh, shucks, I can't get a parking spot at Walmart, but I know I'm anointed. Jesus, make a way where there seems to be no way. Oh, thank you, Lord. Then you cut off somebody, get into a fight with them, but that was the anointing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, y'all don't know. Y'all just don't know. We get it on up here to the break of dawn. Look at John 14. The first unction to function is in the ministry. Somebody say it's not just for you. It's for the gospel. Yes, God will bless you. And I could talk about it all day, about how the Ark of the Covenant came from Obed-Edom's house. uh, And when he had the Ark, his children were blessed. People got blessed in finances. When the anointing is around your life, it does prosper you in many ways. But David had to tell Obed-Edom, the Ark of the Covenant just don't belong in your house. It belongs in the temple for the people of God. So I could teach you on that today, but just take this preacher's word as it is right now. The anointing will bless you. It will increase your life. You will be a better salesman, a better doctor, a better mom, a better dad. It will touch every part of you just like the anointing oil of a priest. But its first and primary function is to plunder hell and populate heaven. Its first function is to show the glory of God on this earth in Jesus' name. Now look at it. Don't take my word for it. Take the man's word, John 14, 12. Here it is, Jesus. Now you know if Jesus has to qualify his statement and say, I tell you the truth, you know he's about ready to blow your mind. So he just wants to tell you right now, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I know you're going to think I'm lying to you, but listen, what I'm going to tell you is going to sound crazy, but I tell you the truth. Anyone, somebody say anyone. See, this blows your mind right now. Not a preacher, not just a priest, not just an old person, anyone. You could be young, old, as much as you can understand what I'm saying, even a deaf person today. Anyone, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. There's some devil's lie out there teaching people that the gifts of the Spirit went away with the last apostles. I rebuke that, package that, and send it back to hell where it comes from because if we ever need the miracle working of power it is now sister it is now brother in the same anointing that was on jesus he said came on you anyone has faith they can get out and change the world for his kingdom if you believe it say yeah Woo! say use me lord you got to get to the place where you say, I am an anyone. I am an anyone. I will be whatever God called me to be. You know what? That's why God said it doesn't come to children. I mean, it doesn't come to, to religious people. It comes to children. I'm getting my master's degree. Watch this. I'm getting my master's degree. A, a secondary education. I've been in theological training for over eight straight consecutive years. Are you listening to me? We're in seminary, and, and our books are teaching us to be successful in the ministry, and they're teaching us how to preach and small groups and all this. And then they get to this one part, the biggest hindrances of the ministry. Do you want to know one of the top three biggest hindrances of the ministry? They say education. I used to call it cemetery, but then I kept saying it's seminary. I had to get it through my head. 
because I felt so bored in class. Listen to me. You can have all the head knowledge but have no power moving through your hands. It's not just a head thing. It's a heart thing. We're not just trying to fill you up today with a bunch of, of, of ideas. Jesus wants you to live it out. You are in anyone. You don't have to have a seminary degree. As a matter of fact, people who have seminary degrees have a harder time humbling themselves like a child and just saying, I believe. God's looking for people who say, I believe that there's an anointing upon me, a creo, a Mashiach from the Christos, from the man who is the anointed one. He said I could. People might look at you and say, no, you can't. But that doesn't matter what they say. He said you could. Amen. If he said you could, you can in Jesus' name. Praise God. Now, verse uh, point number three, the anointing can be used in all areas of life. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy gives us encouragement that, yes, this unction to function, the anointed upon your life, can be used in all areas. And I do want to encourage you to move in the anointing, to function in that on your job. I know that the man who came up with the MRI was a born-again believer. The person working on the genome project right now dis- discovering the genes of the human body is a born-again believer. He sees dreams and visions. You might think he was crazy, but the man's a born-again believer. So everything you do for God comes under the anointing. The anointing makes you more applicable into the things of God. Now, somebody might say, well, if we get the anointing on the bears, could they win the game? I don't know. I'm not, I don't see it applying to sports, but I know it applies to the areas of your life. When I mean areas of your life, I mean the things that mean something, relationships, the people around you, your purpose. You, you get what I'm saying? Things that are, are meaningful to you. I'm not talking about you using the anointing to manipulate people. You know, people have gifts that God gave them. Musicians have gifts. Whitney Houston had a gift to sing in the church. Elvis Presley, but they used it for the devil. Turned their music industry upside down, and and they give it away. Even rappers today, even rock and roll people, they have gifts, but they use it for the wrong reason. Katy Perry sang in the worship band. like The woman who sang, I Kissed a Girl, she used to sing when her parents' church on a worship team. Are you listening? See, I could tell you some things right now. I don't have time, but we're not talking about just gifts. We're talking about a supernatural ability to do things you couldn't do without God. I don't have time to get into it right now, but there are things that God wants you to do that are bigger than your natural ability. It's bigger than you just going to school and getting a degree. It's bigger than you and your four buddies hanging together trying to build it together. You can't do it. You need the anointing. I have people right now that I'm very close with that have degrees. They're very smart and intelligent, but their children are depressed. No matter how much education they have, no matter how much money they have, they can't break that off of that person's life. Their own child, and they would give their own right arm for it. You know why? Because there's only one thing that can set the oppressed free. Jesus said, it's the Spirit of the Lord, and it will set the captive free. Praise God. Look at 2 Timothy 1 and 7. As it applies to every part of your life, we know the anointing comes from the Spirit. Here it is. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or which would be fear, but the spirit of somebody shout power. Come on, shout it out again. Power of love and of self-discipline. I believe God will give you a power to prosper in what you do. He will give you a love to love the unlovable. He will give you a self-discipline to control the habits and addictions in your life. Some people, I I was watching uh, an interview with people who live in Monaco, the richest place in the world. A man built a hundred million dollar yacht just to say I have the biggest yacht on the block. 
his now next door neighbor is going to build a $150 million yacht just to take over that title. Are you, are you tracking with me here? Pierce Morgan now taking the place of, of my man Larry King. Pierce Morgan interviewing the people of Monaco, got together with them and said, are they happy here? And the man said, they're not happy. They have gambling addictions. The women have, have facial makeover addictions, you know, cosmetic surgery addiction. The children grow up without their family uh, on a celebrity recovery house. With Dr. Drew, there's a billionaire, a billionaire. His father's a billionaire, and he's recovering from a heroin addiction. Would sleep on the streets with homeless people. If you don't have an anointing, there's not money, there's not a job that can help you through some things. It's only God. And only the anointing, and it comes by the Spirit of God, and it doesn't make you afraid of the devil. As a matter of fact, instead of running away from him, you run to him, pimp slap him, stomp on him, and say, take that, you devil. I'm taking back what you stole from me. Somebody say, take it back. I'm taking my family back. I'm taking my community back because there's an anointing. And you could take back your job. Pray to God. And, you know, people look at me and they say, Pastor, you know, you went to college. I was a high school dropout. I needed an anointing to get me back to school. Now, maybe some of you, you're doing good at school, but you need an anointing to keep your pants on. God will give you an anointing to say no to sex before marriage. Don't stop shouting when I'm preaching good. Amen. Some of you need an anointing to stop cursing because you tried so many times. You can't. Some of you deal with depression. Some of you deal with anxiety. Some deal with marriage issues, and you all keep fighting and bickering. That's why you can't get along. you got a democracy going on. You need a theocracy. It's God's way, baby. We're going to give our house to the Lord. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Come on, somebody. You need to blog about this today. Anybody that stayed home missed it today, man. Woo! He was on fire. Look at point number four. Sin affects the flow of the anointing. Judges chapter 13, sin affects the flow of the anointing. So before we just get on cloud nine, whoa, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to be anointed now. You've got to understand how you walk affects how the anointing flows through you. It's not just how loud you shout and how high you jump. It's how straight you walk when you get out of church. God wants you today to have that fullness flowing through you. But sin can hinder it. Let me give you the example before I give you the illustration of Samson. When we look at the light shining through this light bulb right now, the fullness of the light has its full potential when the light bulb is the most clean. If we begin to cover that light bulb, it then becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. It's the same thing. God's light is still powerful, but he's not shining because your heart is affected by darkness. You see, you could have right now, you, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen this. You might have a faucet, and that faucet is connected to Lake Michigan, over a billion gallons of water flowing right to that faucet. You have an endless supply, but if there's some type of a jam in that faucet, you could turn it on, and it's just dripping. You're looking around trying to figure out what is the problem. Why is all this power in the church, but none of it's on me? You're trying to figure out right now, why is everybody getting blessed, but I just got to drip... Drip. Why is everybody else shouting and I'm just sitting here all tired already? I'm ready to go home. You know why? It's because you have clogged the flow of the anointing. And it's sin. It's just sin. It's not complicated. I don't have to read your stars. I don't have to look at your palm today. We, we don't have to charge you money for it. Just look at your life, read the Bible, and get the junk out the trunk. 
And here's the sad part because some of you say, Pastor, right now I know I'm living right. And I feel the anointing. But here's the thing. If you're not careful, it can go wrong for you. Every day the Bible says, work out your salvation. Somebody say, work it. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let me tell you the story of Samson. Some of you only know the downfall with him and Delilah. But let me back you up a little bit to give you some explanation. And now understanding the anointing, it will probably become much clearer to you. See, Samson was dedicated to the Lord by an angelic vision to his parents. And his parents were told, Samson will have an anointing upon his life as long as he lives by a Nazarite vow. Everybody say, Nazarite vow. Thank you. A Nazarite vow was a certain bit of regulations that the Jewish people would keep for those that wanted a special anointing by God. So this angel says to his parents, you're going to have a child. I want you to dedicate him to the Lord, and he must keep the Nazarite vow. Now, some people just think about his, his long flowing hair. But there were four things that he had to do in the Nazarite vow. Number one, he could not touch a dead thing. Read it in your Bible. There it is. I don't have time to read the whole story. But he, he was told, as a Nazarite, right. You're going to be set apart. There'll be an anointing power for the hour and unction to function. It's on you. If you don't touch a dead thing, you can't touch anything dead. It will be unclean to you to touch a dead thing. Second thing is you can't drink anything from a vine. So you can't drink grape juice or wine. You can't touch anything that comes from a vine and drink it, nor touch a dead thing. Then thirdly, you cannot have a relationship sexually with a foreign woman. You have to marry the women of Israel. The Bible says you can have as many as you want. Imagine that, fellas. As many as you want. But you just can't have them outside of Israel. Somebody look at your name and say, Help us, Lord. We go into the Old Testament, okay? And then the last thing, somebody say the last thing. Don't cut your hair. Oh, see, now you're starting to put it together, but just track with me here. So what happened? Samson grows up. He has supernatural strength. He didn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger because the Bible says they couldn't figure out where his strength was coming from. But we now know where his strength was coming from. Somebody say the anointing. So the anointing was upon this man's life, and he would attack the enemies of God. He would win the battle. But then guess what happened? In one of these attacks, a bear a, 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 a came out after him, and the Bible says he wrestled this lion, and he killed it. And on his way back home, that dead lion was there, and there were some bees that were in the carcass, and they were making honey. And the Bible says he not only went down and touched the dead thing, but he took the honey out of the carcass, and he ate it. You could strike off the first one. So he had four. He couldn't break. He touched a dead thing. Then the Bible says a few weeks later, he goes to a party that the Philistines are throwing. He now goes to the enemy of God, and he knocks out two in one night. He starts to drink, get drunk, and he fornicates with foreign women. Two and three. But now you get to the part of Delilah, and here's where it gets good for our illustration. Because now he's laying in the lap of Delilah, and she's telling, saying to him, tell me where your power comes from. Well, he knows he can't say from not touching a dead thing, because he's already done that. He can't say from, from not drinking alcohol or having sex, because he's already done that. He only has one thing left, that's his hair. But he starts teasing her. He starts saying, well, if you bind me up with a certain cord made from a certain plant, I couldn't break free from it. So while he sleeps, she ties it up. Upon him, but then he wakes up, shakes himself awake, and then he breaks off the cords like they're nothing. 
Then finally Delilah in her lap seduces him. Says, come on, Samson, just tell me what it is. Now here's where the seduction can come into your life. You see, he thought because he had given up every one of the things of God before that it would just be another thing he could compromise on and it would be the same old, same old. You see, some of you are in sin and you still see God blessing you. You still see things working out and you think it's okay. You don't understand. You're just checking off things on the list and God's actually trying to be gracious to you. But if you're not careful, you're going to break the last one and get your eyes poked out and get captured by the devil. You're going to get so close that God will hand you over to it. Then he says, if you cut my hair, I'll lose the power. Then that night she cuts his dreadlocks, cuts off his hair. The Bible says that when the Philistines came into the room, she said, Samson, the Philistines are here. The Philistines are here. The Bible says he woke up, shook himself like he did before, was ready to fight, but he knew not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And when he shook himself, he said, let's get it on. They took him down just like that, poked out his eyes, and brought him to live like an animal in the place of the palace. Are you listening? You see, sin doesn't just want a little bit of you. You see, you're flirting with sin right now, but you still see some good things in your life. And when the preacher starts talking about getting rid of it all, you want to make a compromise with God because you're thinking everything's okay. But I'm here to warn you, you will walk that road too far. It will cost you something that you're not willing to pay. It will hold you longer than you want to be held. Are you listening to me? You need to get rid of all known sin. You're saying, Pastor, do I got to be perfect? No, just be perfectly at repenting. Just be, just be good at saying you're sorry all the time. Amen? I would rather you do what Jesus says, ask for forgiveness 70 times 7, than try to hide your sin and make a, an excuse for it. That's just the way I am. That's how I'm born, baby. Instead of making excuses for it, get rid of your sin. Can you say Amen? Praise God. Let's stand to our feet as we get the last point. Band, would you come, please? The principle of the anointing, it comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Its primary purpose is the ministry of the gospel. It is used in all areas of your life. I'm so glad you're here today because you're learning about how to function in your life. And sin will affect the flow of the anointing. Lastly, here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. If you're ready for it, say, I'm ready. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, and then we're going to pray. And, and impart today the anointing, but it's already there. If you have the Holy Spirit, we're going to release it, as we would say today, as the preachers would say, release the anointing. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Look at what Paul said about his life. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything from ourselves, but our competency comes from God. He made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Somebody say, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The last point today is you cannot live for God. Without the anointing. You might be able to work at McDonald's without the anointing. You might be able to ride your bike without the anointing. But you will not be able to live for God without Him. Christianity is impossible without Christ. I'm just going to blow your mind right now. When you say you're a Christian, do you even know what that meant before today? Listen to what you're saying. I'm an anointed one. 
Come on, somebody get that today. Why do you think we get so bothered by people saying it and not being disciples? Sometimes we talk about discipleship so much in the church. We're to be disciples. We're to be disciples. That people start saying, man, we're not Christians. We're disciples. No, we're missing it then. Listen. When the disciples were so good at acting like Christ, the outside world said, these guys are little Christ anointed ones. Not little gods, not getting off into a theological discussion. What they were saying was, they are just like the man who walked the shores of Galilee. The world called us Christians, anointed ones. Why? Because they saw disciples heal the sick. They saw disciples cast out devils. They saw disciples with their families right, with their children serving the Lord. They saw disciples that were free from the junk that was all over their culture. They said, those guys are different. Are you a Christian today? Are you an anointed one today? If you're not, today is your day. Get saved. Jesus loves you, has a plan for your life. The price has already been paid. You will be saved today. Let's begin to pray. Altar workers, would you come? Father, we thank you. Those already knowing they're saved, just raise up your hands with me. Come on. Just thank him. Gracias, Señor. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you for the anointing today. Some of you sensed it while I preached. You could feel the anointing. You could sense the Spirit of God in this place. I want to ask you today as I begin to pray, if you're not right with God, would you just come forward and let us pray with you so you can receive the Anointed One and His anointing? I'm beginning to pray. You can start coming just right now. Father, I pray that every person that doesn't know you and your Son Jesus, that they would just humble themselves and ask you to forgive them of sin and invite you into their lives. God, I pray that no one will leave out of here the same way they came in. We pray for Christians in this place, anointed ones in this place. Come on, no matter who you are, come up to the front. Somebody will pray with you today. Van, would you begin to sing? Please don't leave yet. We're not done. We're going to pray for everybody today. We're going to pray for everybody. Come on. Come from your seat if you're still waiting. If you're with your friend or if you're with a family member, bring them with you. As they're praying, let's worship. Because the anointing is in this place. altar workers as you're praying after you've prayed for salvation ask them if they want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit evidence with speaking in other tongues and if you're here today and you would say I'm saved but I don't yet speak in other tongues 
just come forward. We'll pray for you. You'll receive it today. It's a free gift. The Holy Spirit is a person. He will baptize you with power today. altars. Please don't leave yet. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but keep praying. If you need this prayer for salvation or baptism in the Holy Spirit, just come now. But in a few moments, we're going to pray and release the anointing over every person today. There's a fresh anointing flowing here today. Lift it up, be lifted up, be lifted up, oh be lifted up, 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 be lifted up. One more time we sing, be lifted. Jesus, show me your face, show me your ways, show me your glory. If you need a fresh anointing from the Lord, would you just come behind these here right now? We're going to just pray over you and release it today. Jesus. If you're already not up here, listen, if you're baptized in the Spirit, but you want a fresh anointing, just come up right now. We're just going to start releasing it in this house. God specifically shared with me before this service not to actually lay my hand on you because so many times we think, well, that was the preacher's anointing. Oh, I felt something. Man, did you feel that? When the preacher prayed for me, I felt that. I want you to know today that there is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is upon you just as much as it's upon me. Anyone who has faith and believes shall do what Jesus has done and even greater. You might ask yourself, well, how can I do greater works than Jesus? That simply means just greater in number. Jesus was only on the earth for three years. He could only see so many people healed and set free while he was here as a man. And he knew that when young men or young women would get it, if they would spend the rest of their life serving the Lord, they would see more in number than even he himself. 
But it comes through Christ. So it's not to us. It's to Him. So those who want a fresh anointing, just come forward here and simply raise your hands to heaven. Raise your hands to heaven and say, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, anoint me today fresh and new. Pour out your Spirit on me. Now, I receive it. Just receive it right now. Holy Spirit, I release you in this place. Move upon the hearts. Move upon the hearts. Move upon the hearts. Those who are baptized in the Spirit, just begin to speak in tongues. Those who are not, begin to seek it. Jesus, show me SUM students, released on small group leaders, released on those in the 101, released on those in the 201, released on moms and dads, released, released, Jesus, 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 come on, receive it today, Jesus says the anointing will heal, it will heal, be healed. If you're sick in your body, place your hand over that part of your body that's sick and say, I receive the anointing of healing. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus said he'll set free all the oppressed. If you've got depression, anxiety, fear, say, be gone. Be gone, you spirit of fear. Be gone, you spirit of fear, in Jesus' name. I receive power. Come on, say, I receive love. I receive a sound mind. Anointing. More. Don't stop. Come on, don't stop. Your preacher's been preaching for a while. It's time for you to cry out. Come on, go after God. Go after God. He said he would proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you need an anointing to prosper financially, to prosper on your job, receive it. Say, I receive prosperity from the anointed one and his anointing. It's my year. Proclaim it. It's my year. It's your year. It's your year. All the promises of God are yes and amen. In Jesus, the anointed one. In Christ, the anointed one. Yes, in amen. Blessings. 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 Come on. Don't get tired. Let it out today. Cry out to God, fresh anointing. All over me. Dreams, visions. The nations, nations. Oh, baby, my Those who've got a call of God on your life, just begin to say, "I receive the call to reach nations." Oh, the Anointed One, 
has the nations in His hands. He said, ask of me the nations. Come on, where are my SUM students at? Where are the ministers at? Cry out today. Fresh anointing for the nations. For the nations. Whoa. Come on, grab your family member if you're next to them. Just pray the anointing on them now. Come on, you don't need me. You pray for your friends and family. Just say, more, God. More, God. Saturate them. Pour it out on my friend. Just pray for each other. Men with men. Women with women. Before we dismiss, we lift you up. And just pray for each other. We lift you up. Come on, release of the anointing. Release of the anointing. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on, just pray for each other. Prayer workers, find them, pray for them. We're just going to release it. It's not one person, it's the man, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can pray for it all over each other. Be lifted up, be lifted up. Be lifted. We lift up the name of Jesus. We claim back that name Christian. It means anointed ones. We will live like that again. Our best days are still to come. Fresh anointing, fresh anointing fall, and fresh anointing fall, and fresh anointing fall on me. Say, flow through me, fresh anointing. Oh, fresh anointing flow, oh, fresh anointing flow, and fresh anointing flow through me. There you go, band. Come on, release it. Pray for each other one more time. Find somebody else to pray for us. We'll dismiss in just a moment. Don't be in a hurry. Come on. Jesus, fresh anointing. Raise up your hand. Come on. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing.
Today in our lives, there's anointing flowing. Let it flow. Just for some of you, I just want to pray this over you who can hear me now. Is that for some of us, we've always thought of ourselves really in a, in, in a low way. The little engine that could comes to mind. We just don't ever think we can. And God is just wanting to encourage you today. There is not a different anointing upon you than was upon His Son. That same anointing is upon you. Jesus was not lying to you. I always remember when I think about this, that that part of Spider-Man at that first one, when he's sitting down with his uncle and his uncle says, you know, you're special, you know, you're special. And, and, And he said back to his uncle, but if everybody's special, how is anybody special? And sometimes we don't understand the mind of God. We, you see, for us, we can only remember so many names. and Yeah, we may have 500 friends on Facebook, but you know you really only have four. Come on. Let's just keep it real. You only got real four friends in your life. That's about it. The rest of these people just wanted you to, to make them look better. You see, we, we, we don't remember names. A young lady asked me today, what's your name? And after I went through the third one, I finally got it right. You know, we, even myself who, who say I'm going to love people, you know, we, we don't get it. He's, God doesn't have a mind that's limited. God can look at you and study you. The Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that same psalm says that if you were to count all the things God said about your life, they would outnumber the grains of sand in the world. He also said in that same psalm, Psalms 139, that He wrote about your life, the book of your life, filled the pages before one day was ever even started. God is so infinite that He can literally count the number of hairs on your head. I want you today to make a decision. You will believe who God said you are. You will believe it and stop arguing with Him. Well, God, you don't really want me to do that. You, you want somebody else to do that. Oh, oh, God, I really couldn't be a part of a church like this because you know me. I keep making mistakes all the time, and, 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 and I'll just mess it up. And these other people, they're better than me because, you know, they're able to get past their mistakes, but, but I'm really not. You're not getting it. We're all messed up. The only difference between us and you is we realize we can't. We stop trying, and we let God do it. 
We let God change us. God wakes us up in the morning. God brings us to church. God set us free from our addictions. It was the anointing from the anointed one. Woo! And that's why we clap our hands and shout to God. Nobody's here clapping their hands going, I just love Joe. Oh, Joe, you're so great. You said, no. Joe knows he's a mess without God. I clap for Jesus. Bravo. Bravo. Well done. Gloria Dios to the King of Kings. And so before we close out today, I just want you to hear it from Jesus. He said to you in John 14, He said, if anyone has faith in me and believes in me, what I've done and been doing, they shall also do. You shall also do. You can live like Jesus on this earth. That's why you're supposed to be a Christian. Jesus. Would you hold somebody's hand today? I knew that was somebody before we closed out. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask that Vanessa would come from the drums and just pray over our congregation today. The cafe will be open fellowship as long as you like today. And come to the small groups and fellowship tonight and celebrate. But never forget you're special and you have been anointed. Thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, for your anointing. Oh, God, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, that we know that, Lord, it's not based upon a person, but it's based upon Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, you flow through every hand, through every heart, through every mind, Lord Jesus. You are no respecter of persons, oh God. And Jesus, I pray that that anointing, that same anointing will flow throughout this week, oh God. That those who receive today, God, I pray that every person, Lord God, will not leave the same. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done something amazing and that it will carry with them throughout this week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.